I'm just going to get my iPad out. True story, last night I came to my notes, you know, just looking through them and just preparing for today. And I deleted all my notes. <laughs> so um, I've got them back now anyway. I've, uh, I wrote them again. So, see, so yeah, that was good fun. Um, just do me a favour and just turn to your neighbour and say, you look good tonight. Turn to the neighbour who is your second choice and say, you look okay. You look okay. Okay. Uh, listen, I don't know about you guys tonight, but, you know, it, coming to church a lot, you can kind of sometimes, if you're not careful, you can almost get in a, in a, a, a rut sometimes. You know, you, it just becomes routine. And tonight, I don't want that. You know, when we, when we see the services in the Bibles, we don't see any services that were just routine where people just showed up just to kind of make the Sunday up tonight. You know, I want to ask tonight if you could um, preach with me. I think the, the, best, the best time, um, the best you're going to get from me and the best you're going to get from this message tonight, if my words couple with your faith and, and, to get, and we preach together, is that okay? So I just need you to preach back at me, you know, maybe that's for my neighbour or, or something like that, you know, if you like what I'm saying. I, I would just think, I went to see Manu last week and um, Manu were brilliant, it was, it was 4-2, so, you know, that's, that's a great day, you know, God bless Manu. Um <laughs> It's because I was in the stadium, I think. I don't know. Um, but, you know, what I saw was I, I looked around and I saw the hardest of guys jumping up and down, waving their hands in the air, going crazy when Man U scored. And then, and then I thought about it and I thought, well, if those guys can do that, if they can be so passionate about the team, you know, because football fans are the craziest, aren't they? But I'm not just talking about football fans. I'm talking about people who go to the clubs, people who... You know, do that thing. People are passionate about what they do. And sometimes my bugbear with the church is that we're not passionate about what we do. You know, it's almost like the world can say what they want about their thing. They can get excited about their thing, but we can't get excited about our thing. When we've got, you know, the world's almost beaten us into a little corner and you said be quiet. But you know, tonight, I don't want us to be quiet in this place because God deserves more than that. You know, when we, when we worship God, I was just thinking in worship that we, sometimes we... We, we come in and we feel, you know, restricted in worship. And I've heard people say before, you know, why has God got some kind of insecurity complex, you know, that, that you need to worship him all the time, you need to praise him. But this is one, another one of the things about the Bible, that when we worship God, when we praise God, God God's not telling us to do it for, for him. He's not got an insecurity complex. The Holy Spirit's not going, I hope they remember me tonight. He's not sat in heaven doing that. It's because it's good for us. When we worship Jesus, when we say... There's no God higher than you. You know, happy day, you wash my sins away. It reminds us what he's done for us. I'll get to my message also. I'll just carry on doing things like that all night. You know what? Uh, we're, we're starting a new series. I don't know if we've got the slide up. It's going to be called Stand. And um, tonight I'm going to be preaching from 1 Corinthians 15. So I'm just going to read it for us. You got your Bibles? If you've got your Bibles, wave it in the air like you just don't care. Okay, I like that. Give someone a buy five. I'll give Kevin. You've got an iPad, but that don't count. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15. Let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Now, I'm going to be jumping around 1 Corinthians 15 a bit, but this is going to be the, um, this is going to be the glue that sticks the message together tonight. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah. So, 
I'm a, I'm a golfer. I'm going to tell you this little story. I'm, I'm a golfer. And when I was a bit younger, I thought, you know, this might be something that I, I did as a career. Maybe I might, you know, be a teaching pro or whatever. When I was a bit younger, I thought that. And, and I, I play a lot. But me and golf have got a funny relationship, you see. It's, it's one of those games. And one day I go and I play golf and I'm brilliant. I, I've got to be honest. I, like me, me, and my dad, me and my dad went the other day. And I was thinking, right, get me in Ryder Cup instead. Get some of these guys out. It wouldn't have been last minute. I was playing brilliant. And I love golf on these days. These days, I, I love it. I want to get back there straight away. But the thing is, there's these other days, okay? I go, I turn up, I can't hit the ball straight. I score badly. I start throwing clubs. <laughs> I probably throw one at my dad if he's there. Get out of my way because I'm not in a good mood. And you might be saying, you know, why is he telling me that tonight? I think we're a bit like that with Jesus sometimes. And with our Christianity. You know, this, this verse says to stand firm. Stand firm. And like with me in golf, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not someone who's got a constant, consistent relationship with golf. Sometimes I think, you know, when we're in church, yeah, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to stand for you no matter what. No matter what the cost, I'm here. I'm going to do it for you. But then we get out on Monday, Monday morning or, you know, we come to a situation that, that gets pretty hard. And we're like, and we stand off. And we kind of go away. You know, we... I think I've been in these situations before, and I know probably most people in, in here have, just because of the number of people we've got. But one day your Christianity can be up here, and you know you're spending great time with God, and you're spending you know loads of time in your Bible and stuff. And then the, then the next day or the next week, you kind of you know where's my relationship with God? Is it, does anyone relate to that tonight, or is it just me? So what the the idea for this message for me tonight is that you go out. Saying, I'm going to stand firm for Jesus. I'm going to go out tonight and I'm going to live a consistent life for Jesus. You know, you might have had all kinds of things come against you. You might have had sicknesses. I don't know. You might have lost your job. and you might, it might, The world might have beaten you to your knees. But tonight, I believe that you can walk out of here standing. You know, I, I believe, uh, this is not arrogance, but I believe that this message could change your life. Because the idea is that Jesus will speak to you through it. The, the idea is not that, you know, it's, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 2 that, it, it wasn't ever by wise words, but it was by a demonstration of my spirit's power. And that's what I want tonight. I want Jesus to move through this message. So if I can get out of the way, that's the best thing we can do. So are you ready to, are you ready to get into it with me tonight? So let me, just, let me just read this again. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord isn't in vain. And sometimes we read the Bible, and I'm a massive culprit for this, because I'm someone who just likes to whiz through stuff, like when I'm reading books, I just like to get through them as quick as I can. And I find myself just almost skimming and not taking it in properly. And this is criminal when you're reading the Bible, because the idea is that we ingest it and get it into our souls and get it into our spirits. And we, we can do this sometimes, and I've just had a great, this week I've literally, this, this 1 Corinthians 15, I've read it all week. Nothing else, I've just meditated on it, it's been, it's been incredible. And first of all, you think, you know, stand firm. You say, yeah, that's, that's great. But if we, if we dig deep and we actually just think, what was actually Paul saying to the people at that time, in that place? What did stand firm mean to them in that place at that time? Because the reality was that standing firm for Jesus back then probably meant you could get, you could get killed, you could get thrown in jail, you could get persecuted. Because the, the thing is, and... 
the church was an underground movement back then. The church was something that, it, it, it was kind of a, a hidden thing, you know, moving from house to house, from, from place to place, so that the, the, the people wouldn't find them and they'd chuck them in jail. And, you know, you look at us today and, you know, just imagine that altar call back then. Give your life to Jesus, you're probably going to die. <laughs> Give your life to Jesus, you're going to probably get thrown in jail. Do you know what I mean? And today we come and I, it almost feels like sometimes for us it's a bit too easy. It's a bit too easy for us that we get in such a, you know, we can come and we take it for granted that we can come and worship God on a Sunday night and a Sunday morning and whenever we want and no one's going to oppose it. You know, our, our culture today and is, a, is a consumerist culture. We're a, we're, a, we're a people, just humanity in general, or especially the Western world, we're just a people who are all about getting, all about make, making life the easiest thing for us, making it um, the comfiest we can for us. And the problem is that this has kind of seeped into our Christian lives. And what that means is that sometimes instead of, sometimes we, we just focus on our relationship with God is judged on if we get the healing. Or our relationship with God is judged on if we get the promotion. Or the relationship with God is judged on if we, if we do well in, at work or if we do well. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we judge it on that. Sometimes we judge our relationship on, on those things. But the problem is that with judging our Christian relationship, judging our relationship with God on those things is that they come and go. They're things that will never be stable. They're things that will never ever be firm. So... If we stand on them, there's no way they're going to be firm. There's no way we're going to be able to stand tall and stand firm and be consistent because, yeah, I'm on top of the world. You just gave me the promotion, God. But then the next day, that relationship didn't work out. And God, where are you? Do you see what I'm saying? We're all like that, aren't we, at times? I know I am. But this is the thing. If we can get our focus off of the byproduct, you know, it's almost like, let me just skip back a second. It's almost like, is getting a Ferrari. You know, I'd, I'd drive up in a Ferrari and like, and you guys are like, that car is amazing. That is, the, that is a nice car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not got heated seats. It's flipping rubbish. Do you see what I mean? We, we focus on the extras. We focus on the byproduct. And what we need to do is come to the producer. Do you see what I mean? I'm going to say that again. We focus on the byproduct, but what we really need to do is come to the producer. The one who made it all. See, The problem is that when we focus on those things, we're, like I say, we're up and down and we're nowhere. But when we come to the producer, when we come to the source, when we come to, to Jesus, when we come to God and we put our faith, not in the things, not on the byproduct, but in Jesus, then everything is firm. Because he never changes. He's the God who never fails us. He's the God who never leaves us. He's the God who never forsakes us. Our Bibles tell us that. So if we do that, it, the Bible says... That Jesus is the rock of our salvation. The rock. Yeah. What's a rock? It's, it's firm. A rock stands firm. He's, he's, the, he's the rock of our salvation. So if we stand on Jesus, if we build our lives around the producer, not the byproduct, then we'll be firm. Yeah. Then we can live a firm life. You know, and, and what I believe is when you do that, when you get your eyes off of the problem and, and onto Jesus, the byproduct will come. Yeah. The byproduct will come. 
You know, I, I hear people in church, I, sometimes, you, just in Christianity, you hear people and, and you, you know, some prayers and you're thinking, what is your focus on? People saying prayers like, you know, God, you, my car's broken down and the mechanic said it's really, really bad and I've got no money and, oh, it's the worst, amen. <laughs> and by the end of that prayer, you want to, you know, you want to just hide your head in the sand and never go out again. But what we're called to do is this. God, my car's broken down. I've got no money. But you own the cattle on a thousand hills, God. You're the God who, who is with me. Not only today, but you're with me yesterday and you're going to be with me tomorrow. You're the God who will always go before me. And then when you've done that, you forgot about your problem because you, you focus on God. Do you see what I mean? Do we see what I'm saying? You know, there was, a, there was a woman in our church, and she was an incredible woman. A lot of people here will know her. And um, she was just the most, she was just full of God, and, and, just, and just full of Jesus, and just full of just, just life and joy. A bit older, but she was just so youthful. And, and one day she got diagnosed with cancer. And, and if anyone had a reason to fall to the knees, you know, and kind of say, I'm not standing for Jesus anymore, this is it, I've had enough. It was, it was this woman. Yeah. Because she'd lived for Jesus, you know, when she'd, since she'd been a Christian, she'd lived for Jesus. She'd told, people, she'd told everyone about it. she just lived a, a big life for God. She'd lived a massive life for God. And, you know, we prayed as a church. We prayed boldly. We prayed in faith. We prayed believing for healing. But after months of pain, um, she, she died. And, and God chose it wasn't her time. But the thing is, what she said was this. She said, if I, get, I know God can heal me. If I get healed, great. But my relationship with God will not change if he chooses to take me. Because my faith's in him. I trust him. Yeah. I trust him. Yeah. See, that's having faith yeah. that's going to stand firm. Yeah. That's the relationship with God that will stand firm. That's the relationship with God that no matter how much money you've got in your bank account, that no matter how many problems come against you, no matter how many people are coming against you, you're going to stand firm for Jesus and you're going to be the same yesterday and you're going to be the same tomorrow with him. You're not going to be up and down. That's the faith that we need to have in this place tonight. That is rare faith. You know, there's a lot of people today saying, it's too, people have said it to me, you know, especially my age, age group, you know, it's, it's too hard. It's too hard. I've told people about Jesus and no one wants to know and no one even cares anymore. And I asked someone to church once, Josh, but they said no. And we bring our problems. You know, but you look again at what Paul was going through. He was being beaten, he was being persecuted. He was being, it, there was a lot of chances. I, I think there was a point where he was actually killed. It says they took him out and they just chucked him out. And then the, the, the believers prayed for him and he, he got up again. If anyone had a reason to quit, it was Paul. But he gave it all to Jesus. He was abandoned to God and, and the work, it, what does it say here? Always gives yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Paul believed that. Paul can say that because he believed it. Paul, can, Paul stands on the authority of Jesus because he lived that. He lived that every, no matter what, no matter what came against him, he would stand firm for Jesus. Does anyone else want to live like that? Because I, I do. I do. You know, I, I've had enough of mediocre Christianity, if I'm being honest. I've had enough of 
the church not making an impact. You know what? This, this town needs to feel the power of the church. This, town need, this, this church should not be able to be, be hidden. What did Jesus call us to be? A city shining on a hill. A city on a hill. This, this, this church needs to be known in this town. And, you know, if we go, if we get five years down the line and we're still here and we're still doing this and we're still the same and, and not many people still know about, knows about us, we're doing something wrong. And I know that's not, not the heart of Christian and Phil. You know, you've heard the vision of this church. We've got a big vision to reach the lost, to see people, broken people return to God because that's what it's all about. For the, the, for the broken to be brought home. A mediocre Christianity is not going to do that. Christianity that's based on on what I can get out of it is never going to do that. The church needs to rise up. So, I'm just going to give us three quick points to help us walk out of here tonight standing firm. I just want to give us three. So everyone just say number one. one. Are you still with me because you seem a bit quiet? Good. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, Paul says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached you. My first point is, what are you standing on? What are you standing on? You know, I've, I've just touched on it a bit tonight, but some of us have stood on money. Some of us have stood on possessions. Some of us have stood on our image. Some of us have stood on our job. That's what, that's what our security is in. That's what our hopes and that's what our firmness is in. But the problem is money will go. Possessions will date. Your perception of your image will change from day to day. I know mine does. That's why I've gone for the short haircut. What does everyone think? All right? just, a, just a quick story. Talk about encouraging. My grandpa walked into the store the other day when I had it. And he said, that is awful. I know. That's, that's right. I, I borrowed his hair gel, so... <laughs> you know, like I'm saying, your money will go, your possessions will date, your perception of your image will change. You might lose your job. And we've got a lot of people in that situation at the moment where they placed their identity in the money, they placed their identity in the business, they placed their identity in the job, and all of a sudden with the recession, it's been taken away. Yeah. And you've got Millions of people, I don't know if that's an over-exaggeration, but you've got a lot of people who have lost focus in life because you've taken one of those things away. You know, you might say to me, I don't stand on any of those things, Josh. I have faith in me. i got faith in me. I'm the man. I'm the man with a plan. I've always, I can always get out of it. You know, I, I, I've, got, I've got a swagger like Mick Jagger. You know, you, you're walking up and down like that, and, you know, that, that's fine. That's okay when things are going well. Yeah. That's okay when things are going well. But what about when a situation comes that you can't deal with in your own strength? Because I know I've had that. Yeah. I know I've had that. And it brings you to your knees. And then all of a sudden you realize, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. Yeah. You know... This is the difference. But when Jesus is your foundation, you can never be shaken. If your foundation is Jesus, and I'm talking about that faith that um, Linda had, that I was talking about just a few, few minutes ago, that faith, you can never be shaken no matter what comes your way. 
no matter, no matter if, um, if, if you, know, you, you, you get ill, no matter if you lose your job, no matter if you've not got too much money, you, they can't, the world can't take it away from you because your foundation's in Jesus. And Christ alone, cornerstone, that's the, that's the song, the cornerstone of our faith, the, the, the building block, Jesus. You know, the, there's that story in the Bible about the man who built his house. Jesus told it. The man who beat, build his, built his house on the, on the um, solid, solid ground. The man who built his house on the sand. The man who, man who built his house on the sand. His house fell down. That's what we're talking about tonight. What are you building your life on? I'd just like you to ask yourself that question. If you're taking notes, write that down and go away tonight and ask yourself that question. What am I building my life on? Is it on Jesus? It's a good question to ask. You know, and when I'm, when I'm saying this, I don't want you to think like I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching uh, with you. Because, you know, this stuff for me as well, it, when, I, when I'm, I'm writing this stuff down and I'm studying the Word of God, I'm getting challenged from it as well. I'm getting challenged. I'm not standing up here saying, I've got it all together. I've not. Number two. Who are you standing with? Who are you standing with? In um, verse 15... Uh, 15 verse 33 Paul says this do not be misled bad company corrupts good character so let me just give you context because obviously we're not reading the whole the whole passage but what's kicking off is that there's a group of people who started saying that um, you can't be dead dead people can't live again and Paul's basically coming up with uh, has, has written an argument saying well, if that's true, what we're doing is a waste of time. And when Paul says that, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character, he's speaking about, because basically, you know how this, this stuff works? One or two people can start saying stuff, and then it starts to spread, doesn't it? Yeah. It starts to spread, and more and more people are saying it. And Paul's talking to that, you know, you might be a good person. You might be a good person, but you've got in with the wrong people. You've got around the wrong people. They might be Christians. You've got around the wrong people who, who, who just want to bring you down, who just have got no faith. They, they, frankly, they're just the kind of unbelieving believers. They kind of come to, they come to church and they just do it as a religion, and we know that's not where we need to be. You know, you can have the best motives in the world, but if you're surrounded by the wrong people, you'll go nowhere. Because those people are going to speak into your life and, I've heard someone say this before. Show me your five closest friends and you'll be the average of them. You'll be the average of your five closest friends. So when you start to think about that, you start to look at the people around you. Do you like it? Are they the kind of people who are going to spur you on? Are they going to be the kind of people who who stand with you when things are difficult? Are they the kind of people, you know, the kind of people who, when you meet them, they suck the life out of you? We've We've all known those people that... Every time you come to them, there's always some different issue and someone's done this to them and there's another pro- Do you see what I mean? Those kind of, is it those kind of people or are your friends the kind of people who, when you tell them your visions and they're like, nah, don't think so. What? Christian said that there's going to be 10,000 people in Arena Church or that there's going to be thousands saved? Nah. <laughs> nah. Not going to happen. What? You want to see your friends saved for Jesus? Nah. If you're surrounded by them people, you'll become them. And before you know it, before you know it, you're discouraged and you've got, your vision that God's given you for your life is gone. It's destroyed. 
and you're all at sea because those people have absolutely ruined you. I need to ask you tonight, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, they might be nice people. But if they've got no faith in Jesus, if they've got no real, you know, they've got no real belief that Jesus can really do the things that he says he can do. Are they the right people for us to be with? You know, I think sometimes that Christians, you know, I, I think sometimes when I speak to people like this, and some of us who've been in church, I, you know, I'm, I'm 23 years old, I've been in church 23 years. And some of us who've been in church that long, sometimes we've heard the Bible so much that it falls on deaf ears. And to see someone come to faith brand new and, and get it in life, what, Jesus turned water into wine? What, Jesus can heal me in my situation? So fresh, do you see what I mean? Sometimes we can be around too many people who don't believe the Bible anymore. And we become like that. You know, start to look at some of your own views. What do you really feel about healing? What do you really feel about your friends coming to Jesus? You know, how many of your friends have you seen come to Jesus? How many people in, in your vicinity have you seen come to faith in the last few years just because you're, you, you were there? When we start asking these questions, we start wondering, have I got the right people around me? Have I got the right people around me who are going to say to me, you know, I don't know if your faith's lining up with what the Bible says. Because more and more, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to stray from what the Bible says. When the, when the Bible says that thousands were saved on the day of Pentecost, I believe it. And I believe that can happen today as well. Number three. What are you standing for? You know, you might have been listening to this message tonight and you're thinking, what, what does he even mean about standing? What does he mean about standing? I think this is my perception on standing and why, what Paul's talking about here. I believe that we stand with Jesus to impact a generation. We stand with Jesus to impact a generation. There was a, one of my favorite stories in the Bible and one of my favorite books in the Bible is Daniel. And in Daniel 3, there was three guys. Me and my mum used to sing a song when I went to bed. There was three in the fiery furnace. Shake your bed, make your bed, and off to bed you go. That's not the names. The, na- <laughs> the names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were almost... Almost you feel a little bit sorry for them in the story of Daniel because they're kind of a, a side part. You know, they're the, Daniel's the main character and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are on the side. And you hear a bit about them every now and then. And they're a bit of an afterthought at times, but they'll go down in history for this. And what happened was Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to build a, he built a big gold idol, a big gold statue. It was very, very high and very, very big. And he said, everyone's going to worship the statue. No matter who you are, when the, something sounds, it was some kind of sound, you're going to bow to this statue. And anyway, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, I can just imagine them all there. Everyone's walking around doing the, doing the business. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are together. The gong sounds and all of a sudden everyone's on the knees. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thinking, what do we do? But they made a decision to stand firm for Jesus. Yeah. They said, I'm going to stand, okay? They stood there and we're, going to, we're just going to stay with that story for just a second. But it's the same for us today. This, our world is, you might see it, you might not see it, but 
the, the bow, bow to idols. Idols of possessions, idols of money. They're just different idols. We, we're just a more sophisticated society today. Yeah. We just, you know, we, we probably won't worship the statue so much anymore, but now people worship the car that they've got, yeah. or that program, or that, that singer, or that program. And, and God's looking for a group of people to, in this generation, when everyone else is bowing to their own idols, to stand up for him. He's looking for a group of people to say, are you going to stand for me? No matter what the cost, no matter how much it takes you, no matter where it takes you, will you stand for me? No matter when, because I'm sure everyone was looking around saying, what are they doing? What are, they got, what are those guys doing? They're going to get themselves killed. When everyone's looking at you saying, what are you doing? Are you going to stand for Jesus? Are you going to be the ones who say, I don't, I don't, I don't care what people say about me. My relationships with God, and I know that he is the only idol I will ever bow to. Is that going to be you? You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the furnace. You know, you might think, oh, I've been doing this great stuff for God. And it's still gone wrong for me. Linda could have said that. I've been, I've been telling people about Jesus. I've been, I've been sharing my story. I've, I, I've been happy for God. I've been zealous for, for, for the Lord. I've prayed to him. I've, I've had a relationship with him. I've taken my time to do that. But still, I'm ill. I find myself ill. And I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego could have felt like that. They're tied up. They're about to be thrown into the furnace. And they've, they've annoyed Nebuchadnezzar so much that he's turned the furnace up three times as much as it should have been. So they're thinking, what the heck happens here? They get thrown in the furnace. And what happens? Jesus comes through for them. Jesus comes through for them. You know what? Sometimes people want to see what you react like in the problem. Yeah. It's okay when it's going all right. You know, we can, anyone can say what they want to when things are going well. But sometimes people want to see your reaction when things aren't going so well. Yeah. Are you going to crumble? Are you going to fall? Because that's when your faith matters. That's when your faith makes a difference. Yeah. You know, when, when, when you get the, the call from the doctor and says it's not too good, what are you going to do at that point? Because that's, that's when your friends are going to look at you. Yeah. And they're going to say, wow. Are they going to say, wow. That, you know, Josh is just, I can't believe I was reacted to this. It, it, it doesn't seem to have touched him. It doesn't seem to have changed him. Yeah. Or are they going to say, yeah, I knew it was all rubbish. Yeah. I knew he didn't really believe it. Sometimes people are more bothered about how you react in the furnace than they are when everything's going okay. Do we get that? You know, what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They stood firm for Jesus. They got chucked in the furnace. It didn't look too good. But God, gave, God came through for them. God came through for them. And what happened after that? King Nebuchadnezzar said, get them out of the fire. And he made the whole nation glorify and acknowledge the God that they served. I believe that when you go through the fire serving Jesus, standing firm for Jesus... Saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. It's not just, it can't just be a song we sing. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I'll follow you, Jesus. When you stand, people are going to see Jesus through you. People are going to see Jesus through you. And then they're going to say, "Is God must be real. This faith that he has in Jesus must be real. Yeah. Because they've seen you go through it. 
They, they might see you get healed. They might see God deliver you. But they might be just looking at your reaction. You know, in that, in that place where, where no one's looking, are you still standing firm for Jesus? You know, what, who are we standing for? You know, if we can just get our eyes off of ourselves and off of our problems, there's a world out there that needs reaching. There's a world out there that, that, that's aching just, to, just for love. There's a group of people out there who just feel so lost that they're just wrapped up in drugs and they're wrapped up in alcoholism and they're just chained by the world. They're just chained by things of the world. You know, I've just been asking Jesus lately, just, say, just saying, God, give me more of a heart for you for your people. Because the reality is that we should go throughout the day feeling sorry for people. Yeah. We should go throughout the day having real compassion for people. And sometimes I look at my own heart and I, and I think sometimes I'm a bit hard-hearted. And I think we all can be at times because if we really had the compassion, if we really had the compassion for lost people like Jesus had, we wouldn't be able to walk by every single day without telling anyone about it. And I'm not talking about the kind of thing that, you know, I'm not talking about putting a burden on yourself so, so when, you, when you tell people about Jesus, you're gunning them down. It's like, come to Jesus. I heard about someone the other day, this is a funny story. They were out clubbing um, in Nottingham or something, two o'clock in the morning, and a Christian was out with another Christian and a group of people, a group of other people that weren't Christians. And uh, this, this Christian is one of my good friends. And this other Christian she was with, um, I don't really know so well. And anyway, they're out at two o'clock in the morning. And this, <laughs> this other girl, who I don't know, sees someone who's absolutely out of his face and she decides that she's going to walk across to him and say, You need Jesus in your life! As you can tell, as you can probably guess, the guy was fairly disenfranchised by, by what she'd said. And that did no good and probably it did a lot of harm. Yeah. I'm not talking about us going around, spraying people with, with, you know, give your life to Jesus. I'm talking about, are we, are we hearing what Jesus is saying for people in that day? Because I believe that every single day of your life, Jesus wants to give you opportunities to tell people about him. Yeah. I believe that every day of your life, that Jesus is giving you opportunities, throwing Little, little carrots out for you, just, just little, little bits of things to follow, to help someone. To, just that whisper, just to, just to see them change for him. We need to be looking for that more. When we start doing that, when we start getting passionate about, about more passionate about Jesus and his people than we do about ourselves and our own problems, this church is going to grow so quick you, you, you can't believe it. Because what will happen is Sunday is great and we come together and we have this incredible service, but we're all about Monday. This, you've heard Phil and Christian say it before, but this, this church is not for Sunday, it's for Monday. Yeah. When, when you feel like, you know, you've got a million things to do, you feel like kind of everyone's against you, but if we don't live Monday to Saturday, what we live on Sunday, then we're hypocrites and this is a joke. I know that might sound a bit harsh, but it's true. If we're, if we're not living Monday to Saturday, what we're singing on Sunday, and what... what what we're kind of, you know, we, we, we lift our hands and worship and say, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. No matter what the cost and with everything, I'll shout for your glory. And then on Monday morning, we're, we're not that bothered. Then we probably need to reassess. We probably need to reassess. As I close tonight, uh, Andy, it would be great if you just come up and play for us. I believe that Jesus is looking for a group of people who will stand and say, Jesus, no matter what, I'll stand for you. I'll go where you want me to go. 
I'll do what you want me to do. I'll, I'll tell whoever you want me to tell. I'll be open to you throughout the day. You're going to be, you're going to be the, my main priority in the morning. You're going to be my main priority throughout the day. I'm going to listen for you. I'm going to listen to hear you. He's looking for a group of people who say, you know what, Mansfield? We're dedicated to seeing it change for Jesus. We're dedicated to it not being the same. We're dedicated to not seeing any more homeless people on the streets. We're dedicated to those people who are bound up by alcoholism and drugs. Because there's a lot of that in Mansfield. We're dedicated to it being gone. Because I see my Bible. And what, what the church does in the Bible. The church doesn't hide in the corner in the Bible. The church is out there. And the church is changing people's lives. And it's changing the town we live in. You know, if, if we left tomorrow, if this church went up and left tomorrow... We need to ask ourselves how much Mansfield would miss us. If you left your workplace tomorrow, how much would it miss you? If you left that club tomorrow, that group tomorrow, how much would it miss you? Would it miss you at all? Because it should do. You know what? You're on a mission every single day of your life to change the place where you live for Jesus. And that's not arrogance, but when you walk in on a Monday morning, you should know, I've got an opportunity to change this place today. I've got an opportunity today to see these people's lives changed. This is my mission field today. You know, if all our prayers and all our fasting and all our, and all our singing songs and all our worship and all our meetings don't lead us to seeing lost people saved, then it's all a waste of time. I think it's Isaiah or Ezekiel or somewhere where it says, away with your noise of worship. I stop at my ears when I'm singing it. Away with your fasting. But instead, let, let there be a flood of mercy. Let mercy flow on like a river. Let grace run through your lives. I don't want us to be those people who we pray, we fast, we have our meetings, but we forget about the main thing. We forget to stand for the people that Jesus called us to stand for, the people that Jesus himself stood for. it says at the end of it it says at the end of this verse that give, out, give everything to, to, um, to the work of the Lord and your labour in the Lord is not in vain you know tonight you might be here and you might be thinking I, I, Josh I've been doing what you've been saying I've been telling people about Jesus you know that I, I've got my sister she's been, she's been far away from Jesus for years and I've been praying for her all oh, my son's been so far away from Jesus I've been praying for years and nothing seems to be changing. And I tell them at every situation. And, and, I, and, I, and I try and try and do what I can for them to come to Jesus. What you need to know tonight is that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's never wasted. You know, our job's not to, to reap, reap the seed. Our job's to sow the seed. Only God can bring the growth. And you know, tonight, don't give up. I, I believe that as you carry on praying, as you, you know, you might have come in tonight. You, might, you just might be fed up with it all. You might be thinking, I've been praying for years. I'm fed up that they've not come to Jesus yet. You keep going tonight because there's breakthrough around the corner. That's the message for you tonight. There's breakthrough around the corner. You know, in that sickness, when you start to focus on Jesus, when you take your eyes off the sickness, take your eyes off the job loss, take your eyes off the lack of money and put your eyes on Jesus, there's breakthrough around the corner. There's breakthrough around the corner because when you come to the producer, the byproduct always comes. The byproduct comes. But at the end of the day, you can still stand there and say, no matter what, 
No matter if I get in, no matter if I get the healing, no matter if I come through the other side, I'm still going to stand firm in Jesus. It's not going to shake me. It's not going to shake me. I'd just like us to close our eyes for two seconds.